One Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Welcome everybody to the One Sacred Pause podcast with Jessica Winderl, that's me. And I'm so excited. I'm sitting here today on this very warm Oslo afternoon with Karina and uh, you know, my Norwegian's a little rusty, hopefully going to be improving, but uh, Kipsgard? Yes. Okay, Karina Kipsgard. <laughs> and we're here to talk about yoga and meditation. So um, thank you for thank joining you. me. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to participate. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we both have been teaching in Oslo. We've known each other now, gosh, over a year, yeah. probably yeah. a little bit more. and. Um, our paths cross quite a bit and so it's really fun to sit down and just chat with another yoga teacher about how our experiences are the same and also how they're different. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so much to learn from each other, I think. Absolutely. And you know, you're really known for being a Jiva Mukti teacher. Can you like explain what that is and, and what that means? Jiva Mukti? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, it's, uh, it's um, a style or a method of teaching which uh, originated in New York, uh, funded by or, or created by uh, Sharon Gannon and David Life. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, those two are our main teachers and they were students of uh, uh, three Indian teachers. And they say they have three gurus, you know, in between them. And that's uh, uh, Potavi Joyce. Mm the founder of Ashtanga Yoga, it's uh, Swami Nirmalanda and Shri Brahmananda Sarasati. Uh, so during their uh, course of life, they traveled and studied with these teachers. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the inspiration they got from their teachers merged into Jiva Mukti. Uh, so Jiva Mukti is a vinyasa style of yoga. And um, what, if I would, should like, pinpoint something special or unique about it it's the way they integrate um the physical aspect with the philosophical aspect with the uh, the conscious or making conscious choices you know activism veganism mm -hmm. um, um look into how to yoga doesn't is not only on your yoga mat, but mm. how do you bring your yoga into your life? How do you integrate it uh, in the relationships that you uh, participate in? And, and yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, I love that idea so much because that's, um, that's also what I like to teach and practice mm -hmm. is, you know, what we do on the mat is such a small, small part it is. of the practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a preparation. It's, it is, it totally <laughs> is. And you know, especially coming from America where there's a very heavy emphasis on the asana, mm. um, I think the more that in the modern postural era of yoga, um, yeah, we'll just talking about the modern postural yoga and this era that we're in now, I think it's super important for us as teachers to really be emphasizing how do we take the yoga off of the mat and mm. into the world and mm. integrate that. Mm. And I think, um, you know, Jiva Mukti, from what I know of it, I haven't practiced a whole lot of it, is really, that's, that's the whole root of it. Yeah. And that's also what I try to teach is, you know, who cares if your triangle pose is perfect, air quote, um, you know, especially considering that our bodies are also different anyway. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But how you treat other people yes. and the environment and animals mm. and are you friendly? Are you engaging? Are you supportive? Are you kind? Yeah. That's the yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. 
How did you get into Jiva Mukti? So uh, I traveled to G- to New York in in uh, 2010. And then uh, I was practicing Ashtanga back then because that was, you know, that was the style that was available in Oslo. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had been practicing Ashtanga for quite some years. uh, And I was traveling to New York to... uh, uh, to get inspiration, uh, I was teaching in, in fitness and dance. So just, you know, experience the, the big city uh, and get inspiration. And uh, someone had talked about Jiva Mukti in Oslo. Because Camilla Vén, who started, who was our first teacher in, uh, Jiva Mukti teacher in Scandinavia, mm. she had been to Oslo Yoga Festival. Mm. Uh, and, you know, so she brought the hype to Norway. <laughs> And uh, uh, we were like, oh, we have to check it out. Yeah. So we, uh, it was an early Sunday morning, you know, we just strolled in uh, on the center um, and took a class with one of the most uh, experienced uh, teachers. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate in that way. We had a, a, like a really good start. Yeah. And I ended up going every day for that month when I was in New York. Oh my gosh, just as drop-in or did you buy a monthly pass? We, we bought like a, a, first we bought the, the week, you know, uh, unlimited yeah. week first time. Uh, but, you know, we wanted to keep coming. So we, we, uh, we bought access for the whole month. And um, already back then, I was teaching yoga as well uh, in, in gyms and fitness centers. Mm-hmm. So already back then I was like, ah looking uh, at the the brochures of the teacher trainings mm-hmm. um, and and I got the opportunity to go in 2012 so yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I found that's really interesting um, in Norway and in Scandinavia but specifically in Norway mm-hmm. is vinyasa itself seems to be a little bit more of a newer format like you said, and, and kind of what I've also observed is Ashtanga is very deeply rooted in yeah, Norway. Yeah, yeah, it's been here for the longest part of time. It's been more teachers teaching Ashtanga, so yeah, it's been available for a longer time, so it has had the opportunity to, to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And have you ever experienced any students coming to your Jiva Mukti class and being like, oh, well, what, before, and totally new, mm-hmm. before class, being like, oh, well, what's vinyasa? Or have your students mostly been like, oh, I know what that is? Um, I have to think of, I think of course, sure, I've met people, but you know, um, like you said, um, Jiva Mukti, we have like, uh, Camilla has been teaching, uh, in Norway since 2003 or 2005, I mm-hmm. think. So, so Jiva Mukti is, is growing in, uh, in Norway and in Oslo. I've been teaching since 2012. So for the most part, when pe- if people are curious, they're more like, what is Jiva Mukti? Oh, uh-huh. And then I go, go into, well, it's a vinyasa style method of teaching. Yeah. And, you know, if they don't know what vinyasa is, you go into what does vinyasa mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's the approach I get. Yeah. What is Jiva Mukti? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was asking just because I know for myself as a vinyasa teacher, yeah. I actually have found coming from the U.S., where everybody's a vinyasa teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On every street corner, there's a vinyasa <laughs> studio. And then coming to Norway, where it's still fairly... Un- of course, there are vinyasa teachers here, mm. but it's lesser known yeah. as a format. Yeah. And so I've actually gotten a lot of questions about, well, what does vinyasa mean? Mm. And I've even, in the course of running my teacher trainings, um, I'll get emails from potential students. And they're yeah. like, okay, so... 
this vinyasa style. Mm. Does this mean when I graduate, I'll be certified to teach Ashtanga? Mm. And so I was just a little surprised to see um, that actually one of my bigger uh, challenges mm. was talking about just in general what vinyasa is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of a cool thing too, to be like, oh my gosh, there's so much room for new yoga yeah. here in Norway and in Scandinavia. Mm. But it was also, took me by surprise. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't yeah, yeah. expecting <laughs> <For sure>. that. <laughs> um, and, you know, kind of along that same note, <clears throat> this is probably more to your point about explaining Jiva Mukti and, yeah. and the chanting and the, the yeah, yeah, veganism yeah. and stuff. Um, but, but I like to, you know, I'm sorry I'm interrupting, but I like yeah. to, to talk about vinyasa as well because... Um, um, uh, I think, you know, if you go back to Krishnamacharya, they call it Vinyasa Yoga or Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, uh, like you say, a different or different uh, approaches or, or how you interpret the word yes. or how you break it down. So Ashtanga Yoga, the Vinyasa method is, you know, the, the, the count, the breath and the movement. So you have a specific count, you have a specific movement and you have a specific breath. Mm -hmm. In Jivamukti, you like, as a te Jivamukti teacher, you are supposed to know this sentence by word, like how to break down the word. Mm -hmm. And then we say vinyasa means uh, to consciously place mm -hmm. in a specific order with with breathing, right. according to breath. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting to, to get people, just by the way we, we teach or, or give the instructions, we don't call out a number, an inhale or a exhale, and then a name. Mm -hmm. So people are required to listen in a different way than as if they were on an Ashtanga class. Right. And that's quite challenging. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to talk about the aspect of, of listening and then consciously move and then listening. And it's very interesting. <laughs> so what would your personal definition of vinyasa yoga be? It would be the, the Jiva Mukti, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to consciously place, to consciously, consciously move. And um, in my own practice, I try... Because there's so many things that you can interpretations or you know uh, advices or methods or style you can bring in so for me practicing over the years what I bring like on a every um, on an everyday basis in my practice uh, which I feel makes sense and, and gives meaning and it's it's very practical is to consciously move mm -hmm. like be aware of how I put my hands together mm -hmm. how I place them on the floor fingers aligned with my toes that's like that's something I try to focus on when I practice. And then the sutra, stira sukhavasana. Mm -hmm. So for me, those two just makes the, the physical practice. That's what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you're, 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 when you're practicing it on your yoga mat, um, it makes you, it, it, it shifts something. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it changes you. So when you walk on the street, you, you become more conscious, you know, how you move, how you talk, how you eat. Yeah. Yeah. How you speak. I 100% agree with that. And I think that's the ultimate goal of any yoga practice. Yeah. And the vinyasa is the, the movement, the asana aspect yeah, that yeah. you enjoy practicing and teaching, that I enjoy practicing and teaching. And I know for myself, when I'm, when people are like, oh, well, what is vinyasa? Is that the primary series? You know, the Ashtanga Vinyasa part. I'm like, well, no. Um, it could be, but it's also, it yeah. <laughs> or from a, a more um, American Vinyasa interpretation or how I explain it is 
um, it's a very free style of movement mm. where it is one breath to one movement placed consciously mm. or in a specific manner or way. But the freedom component for me is that there's a whole range of things to explore with modifications and mm. props. It's mm. not one size fits all. Mm. In fact, it's tailored to the individual. Yeah. And so however you show up to the mat that day is totally wonderful. Like the practice meets you where you are. Yeah. There's no requirement to be the same day in and day out. Mm -hmm. You know, we change based on how much water we've drank or what kind of sleep we got or what kind of food we ate yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, of course the emotional body, which yeah. is hugely impactful on the, the physical. Yeah. And so to expect our, our physical practice to be the same day in and day out, I think is less optimal for some people. Yeah. Of course, a, a regimented uh, approach or format mm. is helpful for some people. Yeah, if you think about Iyengar, you do think about Ashtanga. Yeah. Um, I think that's terrific. Mm. But I think there are other people who need more of, of a softer or gentler approach yeah. in the support of the practice. And um, that's why I love to teach vinyasa, is so that it people feel included. Mm. And they feel like, okay, well, maybe today I can't do that. Mm. But maybe I could yesterday, mm. and that's fine. We, we work wherever we're at on any given day, or more specifically, in any present moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where that consciousness aspect comes into it. Mm. Are we on autopilot, just like going through the motions? Okay, inhale, exhale, move. Or are we like, oh, inhale, <sighs> yeah, exhale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I absolutely, absolutely agree. Yeah, but I, and 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 you already said it. Um, yeah, I don't think that one excludes the other. You just have to find your what you need. Some people need that structure, and and you know they have, they have a need for that in their life. You know, at some a period of time, or maybe for a longer period of time. And but for most of us, I mean, it's interesting. I've, I've uh, my colleague. She says, you know. Uh, it's it's interesting to consider the cultural differences between Western people and, and Indian people, for yes. example. <laughs> and most of, 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 in our culture, we are already kind of strict and rigid with ourselves. So for the most part, maybe we just need to learn to let go and chill a bit and yeah. don't be, because maybe a very uh, a strict stra uh, uh, style of practice only will add on to those um, patterns you have within yourself that you, you know, maybe want to try and break free of or, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I understand the, the argument for having like a set sequence yeah. where you can see the progression in your physical practice. There is that tapas, that discipline where mm. you show up day mm. in, day out. Mm. Um, but then from an Ayurvedic standpoint, the more rigorous asana practices are increasing the pitta and that's that the heat and there's already so much focus and so much intensity yeah, yeah, yeah. and many of us who have pitta from just our daily life you know you get you get up you go to work you climb the corporate ladder you yeah, pay your bills yeah. you raise your kids like i mean we're in the pitta time of life right now yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's about the action of our life mm. and so just like you said if we're now adding more fuel to that fire like no pun intended <laughs> it's, um it can actually cause an imbalance to occur, yeah, occur yeah, yeah. unless you're very purposefully and consciously doing other things 
outside of the asana to balance it out yes. absolutely yeah 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 i agree and i think it's a, it's good to to bring that up and and so that people can take that into consideration and that you know it's not right or wrong it's just find your way and find what helps you to find a way of practice that supports your life so yes. you don't have like you say another thing added on to a very hectic life and you just it burns you out yes and to what you were saying um since i i i, I come from and and have been practicing ashtanga my approach has been as a teacher i find it very important and helpful to practice my own classes And when I teach, we have in the Jivamukti Yoga method, we have something co- we call the focus of the month. Oh, right. So we have like the the uh, the, the team of the month uh, from a philosophical uh, aspect. Uh, and you sequence your class based on, on the team. Like, uh, for instance, this month, um, it's our parents and our yoga practice, which is, you know, that could be all very interesting. Wait, what is it? Your parents. Your parents. Your parents oh and your yoga. Pr- yeah, exactly. That's like a whole... Uh, episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that conversation uh, uh, and I'm focusing on you know standing asanas and stability mm. and fi- you know mula bandha um, so you have that you, we, we do the we create the sequences uh, uh, according to or, or based on that team and I like to keep I know that not all, all the Jivamukti teachers does it like this they take swap it up like every week or you know every second week I like to keep my sequence for the month yeah So you get that, you know, uh, aspect of repetition and maybe feel some progress or, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, feel that where you once were stuck, now you are able to move uh, along. Um, so for me, um, I, I feel that I find that balance between uh, moving freely and, and be creative and swapping up the sequences, but also have some sort of repetition and structure in it. Yeah, and I actually totally agree with you also. Um i do know there are vinyasa teachers who try to create a whole new vinyasa sequence every class they yeah. teach. And first of all, that's exhausting. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I, when I was teaching uh, a full schedule of studio classes yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a full-time yoga teacher in that aspect, not just running my teacher trainings, um, I would keep my sequences for a week. Yeah. But if you're teaching 12 or 14 classes a week and you teach that same sequence for those 12 or 14 classes and you have students who come to class more than once a week, mm. it's that same idea where they they do kind of know what's coming and they also can kind of gauge their progression. Yeah. And hopefully be a little bit more present because it's what you were saying earlier about how with vinyasa, because you don't know what's coming next a lot of times, You have to really be listening, yeah. which can be good and negative, yeah. I think. And so I think that's one of the benefits of Ashtanga mm. is that practitioners really do know what's coming. Yeah. And so that perhaps aids in turning inward Yeah, yeah, yeah. to connect to the breath yeah. more. And so I think it is a fine line or balance between the freedom and creativity of vinyasa to have a different class every time you teach, yeah. but then also perhaps the stability and repetition that we can take from the Ashtanga method. Yeah. Basically, everything works and, and uh, everything helps, you know, in one way or the other, like you said. Um, well, you said it and I, I just thought, you know, yeah, everything is important. Um, and it's interesting how we, uh, um, 
we kind of get attached to oh yeah I'm an Ashtanga or I'm a Jiva Mukti or I'm yeah. a Vinyasa yeah. <laughs> uh, what's up with that yeah, I agree it's uh that can be a really slippery slope yeah when we self-identify too strongly yeah, with what yeah, we yeah. teach or what we practice yeah, and, yeah, yeah you know keeping that beginner mindset and keeping that open to possibility yeah sort of mindset of like and huh. and and have the doors open to learn from each other yes. I mean I teach at an Ashtanga studio and I have so many Ashtanga uh, students and, and friends and colleagues and um, for the past, uh, this spring, my, me and a friend of mine and a colleague, we've been just meeting up and practicing together one morning every mm-hmm. week on Wednesday mornings. Um, just doing a, a short class together and then uh, chanting sutras. Yeah. And uh, we learn so much from each other. He will go, well, my teacher taught me this and you should try this. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. And now I've actually incorporated it in my class that I'm teaching. So if you're keeping your doors and you know your mind open to people there's there's so much potential to expand and learn i agree yeah absolutely um one thing i'd like to come back to with jiva mukti is the emphasis on veganism yeah so you're a vegan i'm vegan how long have you been a vegan since i took the teacher training in 2012 mm-hmm. so before that i uh, i i was vegetarian for a period of time of two years in my in my teens when I was in high school for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I I revisited vegetarianism when because I, I knew about the veganism aspect of Jiva Mukti Yoga. So six months before I was going to Costa Rica to take my teacher training, I was like, okay, now I'm cutting out meat mm. and then you know slowly cutting out fish. Uh, and then we came to Costa Rica and the food was amazing. Mm. So amazing. Uh, so that was a big inspiration where you, when you see how you, you don't you don't miss out on anything. Um, and it's it's just um, planted that seed. Uh, and I remember I was thinking in Costa Rica, I really want to try and and make this work when I come back home to Norway, but I don't know if I will make it. And I think that if you're gonna make the transition, you have to you have to give yourself, room uh, to change because mm. uh, I, I if you if you go from you I, some people do that go from from one thing to the other over like 24 hours but for me I just I think that that's what made it work for me because I was like I, I wanted to do it and I would I oh I kept saying to myself I'm going to try and make and make the right choices I'm going to try and do my best uh, and you know then it works out mm-hmm. um so yeah well, and that's setting yourself up for success. Yeah. You know, anytime we make a change, and I think even the progression that we see in our overall yoga practice is we have to have the intention. You yeah. know, this is what the sutras talks yeah, about too. You have yeah, to have yeah, the intention, yeah. but you have to have the action. Yeah. But we also don't want to jump from A to Z overnight, mm. just like you said, in a yeah, 24-hour yeah. period. Like, yeah. baby steps. Absolutely, because if you, like, say, I'm going to do this, and then you, something happens and you feel like you failed or... Uh, it just brings the wrong energy into it and also you know um when you're with other people and when you're having a meal with other people and and uh, and when you um the way you just communicate it i'm like it's not because i can't have it or my teacher said you 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 shouldn't eat this or that it's because i want to do it it's my choice uh, it's not that some some somebody else said you should or have to do this uh, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And also, <laughs> we would like to inspire other people to consider the option to eat less meat or, you know, to cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think also, you don't inspire people to go vegetarian or vegan if you make them feel bad. Yes. If I, I, if I tell you you're a, a lesser person than me because you eat meat, um, that's my, you know, that's, that's not true. Um, we just... Um, or it's not my. It's um. I It's just. It. It's hurtful to just bring that judgment or that comparisons into the equation. I think. It's yeah. Not helping anyone. Right. It's not supportive. No, yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, what's the reason behind the veganism aspect of Jiva Mukti? For from uh, Sharon and David, mm-hmm. the teachers. Um, yeah, that that you were inspired. Yeah. to then take that leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for, for me personally, to be, the choice to become vegan, it, it's because of the ethical, uh, the ethics behind it. You know, um, how animals are treated, uh, how we uh, exploit animals, and and the planet, the environment, um, um, and I guess. Uh, for the for the later part of of being vegan, uh, I also consider how um, I don't know how to express this, but how how the effect it 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 has on my body in a spiritual or more energetical level to have to consume uh, you know yeah beings that have been killed. And traumatized and not treated good. Yeah. Um, but I know that that's a that's a difficult uh, aspect of it to 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 speak speak about people. So when when I we you know when when I casually talk about it, it's because of the ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, animals are not being treated nice. We are not taking care of nature, and yeah. Um, sure. I didn't think I'm so used to hearing yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so for me, um, what it come boils down to, it's just that it feels, uh, it makes sense, and it feels right to to do those choices. Um, yeah. And for for Sharon and David, uh, they've always been. Um, I think they were uh, uh, vegan activists before before they became yoga teachers. Oh wow! Yeah, so they they've actually said like Frank out. We created Jiva Mukti Yoga as a platform to promote veganism. Hmm. So, yeah, and I think that's so amazing because it brings more to the the movement besides just how you look, how you feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know talking about the energetics of the meat or the dairy that you consume. Yeah. Um, Ayurveda very much agrees with that too. Yeah. Not just with meat, but um, whatever you eat and how you eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you eat when you're upset or you're angry or you're sad, mm. energetically you're consuming those emotions and actually amplifying those yeah, emotions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when people can talk about, especially in the U.S., I think Norway, there are more humane you know, ways of killing animals. I used to think that too. Yeah, I don't think that don't. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be an excuse for me, like, oh, but that's the US. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very cynical business all over the world, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, 
I'd like to think, though, Norway has more happy cows than the U.S. does. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe that's a delusion. <laughs> <laughs> but when we think about, you know, when an animal, a cow, is getting ready to be slaughtered and it's going down that tunnel, mm-hmm. the slaughterhouse, and they know, you know, they get that fear and they get the chemicals, the hormones pumping through their body, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they get killed, you know, we're actually consuming that that fear yeah. when we eat that meat. Mm. And so many people like, oh, that's woo-woo. They poo-poo it. And they're like, that's not true. That's, yeah. you know, it's just the physical meat that you're eating. Mm. When both Ayurveda and yoga would say, no, no, energetically, you're now putting that into your body. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's, um, I think, really important to talk about because yeah. so many people aren't aware of that, mm. you know, and yoga and Ayurveda talk about when we eat, because food is medicine, uh, noticing, and this comes back to that consciousness, noticing how you feel. Yeah. If a meal makes you feel bloated or heavy or irritable, mm. then you either ate the wrong food yeah. for your body or you ate the wrong combination of food. Yeah. And it's reacting poorly, both physically and energetically. Mm. And if you feel light and you feel energized and you feel... Um, satisfied yeah 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 then you ate the right food yeah and it's not really about how many calories you eat or how what the number on the scale says Mm. it's how do you feel yeah absolutely yeah it's so this brings me to an interesting question yeah one that you know we probably won't have a complete answer for but it's a starting (laughs) point for this conversation is so veganism for ethical reasons I absolutely understand agree with support but then there's a slight change in perspective when we do talk about ayurveda Mm. because ayurveda is very much um geared towards the individual constitution and what's best for each individual to bring them into balance Mm. so what would be the most balanced for me and my body is not going to be the most balanced for you Mm. in fact if we tried to eat the exact same food one of us would be out of balance yeah And so Ayurveda would say that actually there are some people that for their body constitution might need to eat meat Mm. or conversely a vegan or raw food diet um, could be harmful. Yeah. In fact, to somebody who's a vata and has less uh, digestive fire or, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, there's a bunch of other reasons too, but Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of contrast there with the, the strong vegan attitude from an ethical point. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Um, well, yeah, it is a good question. And um, from my experience, when, when I made a transition, made a transition from, from uh, you know, six months vegetarian and then uh, fully on vegan, um, uh, I had some concerns, you know, how will, will I have energy to do? Because it started during a month of teacher training. <laughs> and then you come back and then you have your everyday life and you have your full-time job and you're teaching and you're practicing and you're, you know, I was dancing at the point uh, or at that time as well. And uh, so I had some concerns. I was like, will I be able to do everything that I did before on a vegan diet? And my experience was, you know, Yes, 
absolutely positive. Uh, I felt uh, uh, I felt more balanced in my mood. I felt like I had a more uh, overall balanced energy throughout the days. I didn't have those ups and downs, mm-hmm. ups and downs. Uh, so in my experience, mm, I'm not. I'm probably not the right person to ask about that because in my experience, for myself, I feel good on a vegan diet. Yeah. So you know, then it's it's not. Uh, I don't have to. It's not a problem for me, though I've 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 heard I haven't talked uh, enough to to uh, to people who has that problem. You know that they need meat. Um, so, because you mentioned it before, uh, my my immediate response was, "Do you? Why? Really? Yeah." <laughs> so so I guess. Um, yeah, and there doesn't yeah. have to, you know, we don't have to agree. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. <laughs> because ultimately it is what works for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just playing the devil's advocate. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Ayurveda doesn't say if you eat meat, you should eat it every day. No, no, no. It's more, you know, at the most, maybe yeah. twice a week. Yeah. But it's, there is, that door is open yeah. for some people. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't know. The answer that, because um, I have a colleague, I, I discussed this, uh, um, we didn't discuss it like in depth, but but I have a colleague, uh, uh, the uh, Oslo Vegetarian Festival just happened this weekend. Oh yeah. And I said to a colleague, I'm going, are you coming? He was like, no, I'm not really vegetarian or vegan anymore. And he used to be. Mm-hmm. And then he said, uh, um, my body needs certain types of food. And we didn't go into whether it was meat or not. So my answer would be like, it's 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 not my business. It's his choice to make. Mm-hmm. And I respect him for that. Uh, uh, and at the same time, I respect people to, or I, uh, I am... Um, I expect people to respect me for my choices of, of wanting to be vegan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it makes me happy when people are curious, you know, not going into an argument immediately yes. when you he- they hear that you're vegan, but they're more, they're curious and we, co- we can talk about it. And, uh, you know, um, like I said, our teachers, they want to promote veganism and, um, you know, yeah, more vegans uh, into the world. But if, if more people could choose more consciously and maybe cut their meats, mm-hmm. you know, not eating every day because... Yeah. I don't think that uh, in Scandinavia or in Norway the problem is that we don't have enough meat. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, more the other way around. We need to meet, eat more vegetables. Yes. Uh, so so I think you know um, all the people who want to be, want to become vegan. Yes, go for it. And if not, just you know explore. Be uh, mm. be curious and try different ways and different foods and make more conscious choices. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes down to you know, the ahimsa, yeah. the, the non-violence or the non-harming, the first yama, which is the ethical backbone mm. of all of yoga, yeah. um, if you, you know, agree with that, with the eight limbs. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do too, obviously. Um, but, you know, there's, within the context, I think this is perhaps where there, you could make an argument for either. Yeah being vegan or eating meat, mm. um, which is the ahimsa, but it's an individual ahimsa. You yeah. know, the, the veganism aspect is more of a global ahimsa, which I love and support. Mm. But the Ayurvedic standpoint where maybe there might be somebody who needs meat in their diet or a time, a period in life where they might eat meat. Mm. Um, if that's the most supportive thing for that person 
and it's non-harm, it would actually hurt them to not eat the meat, mm. like make themselves sick or not have enough energy, you know, then there is that line that could be drawn mm. where it actually is him sick for that person to eat meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which at first sounds totally crazy, but it's, I think, the global versus the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, speaking from experience, I was a vegetarian for um, a decade and I love being a vegetarian. It works for me. Um, and then when I had some health issues in the last few years, I really needed the, the protein from the meat, the blood from the meat to help boost my physical body. Mm. On an energetic level, I, of course, had a little bit like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. But I have noticed that for myself in this specific instance, mm. I have felt better eating meat. But it also is temporary. For me, like yeah, I, yeah. I am a vegetarian at heart. I love eating vegan too. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt really good. I only did one month of full vegan yeah. and I did feel really good. Mm. So I'm hoping, you know, to transition back into yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that type of a diet. Yeah. But, you know, as we go through life, again, it's an ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a one size fits all. And my personal opinion is there might be times when it's more supportive Potentially. Yeah. Teach me. Uh, from what you're saying, I'm thinking that, um, yeah, what it boils down to is uh, each individual making the conscious choice, uh, which supports them, obviously, and then also um, um, supports your environment and, and uh, um, you know, a bigger picture, also see how you how you fit in with everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, find a way to make it work so you're not because um, I'm thinking talking about um, there's a lot of tradition and opinions about what we eat and how you eat it and and so on and so on and people just unconsciously follow what has been done before yes so if just people can take time to 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 stop and make a conscious choice and uh, from you were talking about earlier, we have we've we've so distant from from the animals. Uh, you said Norway have have more happy cows. I'm like oh, I'm not sure about that. But maybe we have. Uh, you know, the, America is so big, so definitely there there are more. Uh, uh, unfortunately, more animals being being uh, treated very badly there because it's a bigger country, but. But I think uh, my point is when people go to the store and they like pick the products yes. off the shelves, you don't think that they, this has been a living being. Yeah. Um, and I just want people to be more aware of that, to, yeah. you know, to know where everything comes from, to see, to see themselves in that circle of life. Because yeah. when, you, when you stop and you, I think I have like a genuine positive, I, I think that is the, every human being deep inside we're good yes and we want to do good yeah <laughs> so so if everyone just stopped in in this like unconscious way of of living and 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 being with each other you you would connect the dots yes and you would do what would be right not only for other or, or animals but also for you mm-hmm. so it's it's a uh, it's that to make that conscious and an individual personal choice uh, on how you want to live your life and and how it supports yourself, both 
like in a physical body, you know, I want to have muscles and energy, but also how it makes you feel inside energetically and emotionally and so on. Right. And it, sometimes it takes more effort yeah. to live consciously yeah. and not to be on autopilot, not to just grab that package of meat and put it in your cart and absolutely. check it out. Absolutely. And it's, it's so important that you say that because I think for most people, that's the hardest thing. Mm. Oh, I would, you know, I hear that from friends. Oh, I, you're so, <laughs> I couldn't do what you are doing. But of course, it's, it's, uh, it's not that much of an effort. Um, if you have to like give yourself space and ease into it and you have to learn about food as well mm-hmm. so you have like you, you know the basic products to have at home so you can make your, make yourself you know lunch or sandwich or whatever and and uh, and of course everything when you're learning something new when you're building something new that takes some effort but then it becomes normal yeah and then it's okay so you know i don't think it's a, a hard or stressful to be vegan anymore or um, I don't think of, not that I did in the beginning. Of course, you were like, "Where do I buy the milk? Where do I find the the things that I want?" And and that takes. But you know, you, I f- I found that I eased very or yeah more quickly into it than I was expecting. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like any of the practices of yoga. Yeah. At the very beginning, it is hard because yeah. it's new. Yeah. But then. You wait a week, you wait a month, you wait mm. a year. It's no longer new. Exactly. And in fact, you find that is now your new routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree that I think um, there's so much around the ritual of eating and mindful eating mm. and just awareness on how we do everything in our yeah, life. Yeah. And for me now, I was laughing with my husband, I don't know, a while ago. And I was like, God, if I had met myself 12, 13 years ago and then could fast forward to today. I'm saging my house. I'm eating my, <laughs> my undead food and thinking about chronic levels yeah, and yeah, yeah. my chanting every day. I'm like, wow, I would probably be so surprised. <laughs> yeah. Where now it's just like, that's who I am and that's what I do. Yeah, and it's yeah. not... Isn't that interesting? It's so cool. It's yeah, so yeah. cool. And yeah. I think that's to your point mm. is... It might be a little rocky, a little um, clunky yeah. in the beginning, yeah. but then it becomes smoother and smoother. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, that's who you are. Yeah. You are a vegan or you are a yogi or you are somebody who practices being in the present moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important to, to you know, talk about that too so people don't get put off and, you know, oh, it takes some effort so I don't want to do it. But, you know, if you don't put some effort into new things or making changes you're not going going to get anywhere mm-hmm. uh, and also on the plus side talking about veganism you you live much more healthy yeah. um, um there's so many positive things that you probably didn't expect that will come you know in terms of what i was mentioning earlier just feel more balanced in mood and energy um and um yeah, you, you hear people have feeling uh, bad because they had this or had that. So I'm like, I'm vegan, so I don't have that anyway. So yeah. <laughs> problem solved. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that kind of the idea of starting something new and then sticking with it, yeah. like not giving up and developing new lifestyle skills, mm-hmm. new skills in general, Yeah, yeah, yeah. can lead us into, you know, a conversation about what it's like to be a yoga teacher. Yeah. Because it's the exact same thing. Like, you don't become a yoga practitioner overnight. Like, do you remember your first yoga class, asana class ever? Mm, 
I don't remember the first class. It was in, in when I was studying at the Norwegian University College of Dance. No, it was before that. So maybe I actually do. Well, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> like it either. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't... Um, my first class was actually before that, but my, you know, starting a regular uh, practice was during those three years studying dance at the college, uh, and we pre- we had uh, yoga two times a week, and I, I basically didn't like it for those three years. Yeah. For that period of times, so I didn't like yoga. It was something I did because I had to. Mm-hmm. But um, towards the end of my third year and afterwards, when I you know was was continuing working with dance and teaching dance and being very active and and just to keep my body strong and free from injury I recognized yoga as a very important tool Mm -hmm. so that's basically what kept me going for the first year year and a half after finishing college Mm -hmm. and um, and then I started my or I took my first um, yoga instructor training and and that's where it started to become more um, a lifestyle yeah yeah so what you teach yoga full-time now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long have you been a full-time teacher? Well, um, I quit teaching or I quit my other, my, my day job or uh, as a dance teacher in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, but I've been teaching a lot since 2012, like yeah. up to 15, 20 classes a week. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, I think I have all new teachers, so you, we have that period where we just say yes to everything yeah. and you know, you learn by, yeah, learning by doing. But, um, so the plan was when I gave up the, uh, my, my uh, job as a teacher, dance teacher, to work part-time as a yoga teacher and to find some other part-time job just to have that. Uh, I remember in teacher training, our teachers said that never, don't, don't make yourself dependent on yoga as an income. Yes. Uh, so I stuck by that, or I actually cling to that for quite some years. So I, I moved back to Oslo. I had a, another job um, uh, and also teaching, more, you know. So basically I've been working more than 100%, 100% for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started, I worked as a, uh, in a yoga studio as a, in the reception uh, with uh, administrative uh, stuff um, and I did that up to this February actually and mm-hmm. teaching yoga so now I'm I'm dependent on the yoga teaching yeah. <laughs> but you didn't do it overnight I did not you planned for it I planned for it and I smart about it you will I don't know if I've been smart about it all the time but <laughs> but yeah you 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 have some experience so I now mm, I'm trying to keep it not more than 10 classes a week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I've learned from, you know, quitting that other job is that um, the, you, don't, you don't become rich, you know. Yeah. It's not if you want to become, uh, if you want to make money, don't become a yoga teacher. Yeah. <laughs> That's not why you do it. You don't do it for the money. So I guess uh, what I've also learned is that if I want to do this and if I want to, like, keep my the balance with my own practice and mm. I just have to learn to spend less money yeah 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 that's true you know but I think that's such an important part to highlight though yeah. that it did take you time mm. um you know I'm the same way when I first started teaching I had my day job yeah and I started teaching more and more classes to the 
point where I had a full-time day job yeah. and a full-time yoga teaching job. <laughs> so no life. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. And I did that for a while yeah. before I finally was able to make the leap into being a full-time yoga teacher. Yeah. And, you know, now when I'm leading teacher trainings and mentoring newer teachers, I drive that point home like Mm -hmm. don't expect to just quit your day job overnight and then all of a sudden have the same quality of life Mm -hmm. from teaching yoga yeah yeah yeah. like you need to be smart you need to save money you need to take your time set yourself up for success so you're not in that state of panic like oh my god what did I do Go, it's just, yeah, because what you what will happen is you will bring that state of panic into your class, yeah. <laughs> and who you know it will. Uh, yeah, it's it's. it's I, I'm glad to hear that you're you know talking to your students and and new teachers about this because uh, I've seen and I know people who are so enthusiastic mm. enthusiastic about coming yoga teachers and and they like they get a real smack in the face. Yeah. Um, and it hurts you know why don't people come to my classes or why mm-hmm. I don't get the classes I want or um, so it's it can be rough yeah it can yeah. and I think that's not to say though you can't be a full-time yoga teacher no. it's just you have to be smart about it yeah, yeah, yeah. and it takes time and practice to become a good teacher it does it does and it's a lifelong pursuit yeah 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 you know I people get surprised when I tell them I'm like oh yes I still do trainings as much as I can yeah, and yeah, yeah. constant you go to New York all the time I and do. do more training I and do and I remember when I was a new teacher uh, I wasn't a good teacher in the beginning oh yeah <laughs> I would just you know stand in front trying to remember what to remember the sequence and um, I don't teach teacher trainings but I have quite a few students who has become yoga teachers and mm-hmm. Jivamukti teachers even uh, after practicing with me for some time and I always say don't expect to teach like me mm-hmm. after this month yeah. and I keep repeating that you know uh, give yourself space and, and allow yourself to be an, a new yeah it's the same thing about what we're talking about becoming vegan. You have to, to, to yeah, allow yourself to be new at something and to mm-hmm. grow. And if you don't do that, it's going to be tough. Right. And give yourself permission to make mistakes. Yeah. And I talk about this with theming and I talk about this with cueing. Yeah. Even as an experienced teacher, there are some days where something comes out of my mouth and I'm like, <laughs> what was yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You know, we've all taught bad classes. Mm. I know there are going to be classes that aren't optimal mm. that I'm going to teach in the future. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. giving yourself just that permission and that loving kindness yeah. to be human. Exactly. As a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not expect yourself to be perfect. Exactly. All the time. Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes, and as women especially, yeah, yeah, yeah. that can be a challenge. And of course, if you do become a yoga teacher, remembering that it's all brand new. Every skill you learn in teaching yoga mm. is something you've likely never done before. Yeah. Um, for me, I had a slight advantage because I had a background in public speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But beyond that, everything is so new. It's yeah. Like, how can you expect yourself to be as proficient at teaching yoga as you are at your day job? Yeah. That you probably possibly went to university for or, you know, have spent quite a bit of time honing those skills exactly and and even though you've spent three years in university to prepare to prepare for your job you always have like a a period of 
you know, a long time, maybe six months or even a year to mm-hmm. be in training to yeah. get good at what you do. So obviously that applies to teaching yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to get the experiences, to get the confidence and uh, to grow. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the biggest challenge is being a full-time yoga teacher? Or maybe just for you. Yeah. There are several. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, well, I have to, you know, talk from my experiences. And but when you when you asked the question, uh, uh, my immediate thought was uh, challenges. I don't. I don't. Since it's working, I'm not focusing on the challenges. You just yeah. you just find a way to make it work. So what you what you have to you know what you just have to. To learn to make work is um, plan your schedule smart. Yeah. Uh, don't teach too many classes. Yeah. Um, try, you know, we, like you said, be smart, plan, and, and learn to spend less money. Because um, it, it's, not, yeah, it's not a job to get rich, you know. If, if Some people, obviously, if you're a superstar teacher, but also if you want to have the opportunity to study and grow for yeah. yourself, you need to have, you know put aside because because you have to pay for that mm-hmm. um yoga um is expensive you know if you mm-hmm. want to do a retreat with your teachers and stuff like that and also just um ha- have the support of a community around you someone to talk to uh, when you feel insecure or if you feel like inspiration or if you feel want feedback have someone you can go to 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 ask those questions yeah. Um, colleagues or friends or yeah which is a, a wonderful piece of advice so mm-hmm. if you're a new teacher or wannabe listen <laughs> up to what Karina's saying surround yourself with a group of people yeah who can help you and who are doing the same things you're doing mm-hmm. and can be a sounding board and also we we uh, talked or we uh, touched upon it earlier in this conversation to be open to learn because when you meet those people uh, don't feel don't take it personal if someone uh, gives you like a good piece of advice mm. uh, don't feel critiqued yeah I think that's uh, uh, amongst us teacher uh, we become oh why did you say we want to perform our yeah. best as teachers and that's kind of you know um, setting yourself up for failure if you're not open to to take advices yeah. for not you it might not even be more experienced teachers it might just be friends you know who have a, a different thought or approach to what you were saying or teaching and then to be open to that and listen and you know yeah that's interesting I'm gonna take that into consideration yeah well it's, I think two things one it's a respect issue yeah. you know yeah. respect other teachers respect your teachers yeah 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 absolutely uh, studentship is something that I think I personally have have observed kind of declining mm. as yoga, and maybe this is more in the States, um, as yoga's gotten so, so, so popular, yeah. and it's newer teachers all the time yeah. teaching newer students, yeah. there's the, the aspect of lineage and the aspect of respect has a little bit gotten lost yeah. in the shuffle. Um, I, th- I think you're right, and I think uh, you see more of that in the U.S. because the yoga industry has yeah, been there. It's for, yeah, but it's 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 growing here as well, and... Um, it, it, I think um, what, what, just my opinion and thoughts about it is that we're losing ourselves in the 
in the uh, competition of being more popular or, or having the most likes and, and in between that, yeah, you lose something about the, the lineage, the respect, mm. the, the, what, what are you trying to, to teach anyway? Is it, yeah. Right. Well, and, and so my second comment about that too is also the idea that there is a student for every teacher. Mm. or a teacher for every student. Yeah. And so if somebody maybe doesn't jive with you as a teacher or if your friend gives you feedback that you probably, you know, maybe don't agree with, yeah, yeah, yeah. respectfully say thank you. Mm. Thank you for your advice or your opinion. Um, but also realize that, you know, we don't there's no way for us to be a teacher for every Everyone. student. Yeah. We find the style, we find the voice, we find the person mm. that resonates with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I talk about this in teacher training where I've had people walk out of my class before mm. and I don't take it personally. I understand that perhaps, I mean, it hasn't happened a lot, but I understand that perhaps the way in which I speak or the message that I'm bringing to the table isn't for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. if, if we tried to make everybody love us or everybody like our class, we'd be run ragged, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just so much energy output mm. and not enough energy coming back in. Exactly. You know, so being a little, being open to advice, being open to possibility from other teachers mm. um, or feedback, but also I think having a little bit of confidence in knowing what you teach. Yeah. You know, not being like, oh my gosh, that teacher said I need to do this more. Okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah, and then yeah. this other teacher said I need that more. Okay, I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your authentic voice gets lost. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's kind of, it's a balance. It is a balance. It is a fine balance. And uh, um, I was thinking of something. Um, oh, never mind. It will come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd like to steer the conversation a little bit into basically what this podcast is all about which is one sacred pause yeah and it's this idea that if we can slow down and become present enough or conscious enough all it takes is one moment for us to perhaps change course yeah to have something totally magical happen in our life that initiates some sort of transformation mm. and to me that's the spiritual practice, slowing down, getting quiet, turning inward, like all the rest of this, the mm. asana, the pranayama, how we, the ethics of how we live um, is important, but that's just leading up to the spiritual catalyst yeah. that happens when we slow down. Mm -hmm. And so with one sacred pause, that's of course going more into the quieter practices of contemplation, inquiry, focus, meditation, what does your meditation practice look like? Um, so um, I like to, um, I have like, during the day, uh, one could say that I have two sacred pauses then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the first one is after I've done my, my physical, my asana practice, just to, to sit. And, and then it's very free. Um, just sit for some time or um, how, however much time I have before I have to move on to, you know, teach or, or a job or uh, so that's just to sit after practice and then uh, sometime during the night not right before I go to bed because it's interesting if I meditate just before I go to bed hmm. 
I find it hard to fall asleep. I'm the same way. It <laughs> actually agitates me right yeah. before sleep. Yeah, yeah. So I have to have some time after meditation before I go to bed. And, and that's a, just a 20 minute sit down um, um, in my apartment, you know, with the rituals I have before sitting down and, uh, and connecting with my breath. Mm. So, like, uh, to have a, a, a quiet, uh, yeah, quiet practice, just sit down and breathe two times a day. Oh, that's so nice. And of course, there will be days when that doesn't happen, you know, for no. whatever you're traveling or here or there. But but that's, yeah, that's what I what works for me. Yeah. Mm. Well, and there's so many different ways to focus. Yeah. You know, which is, it's the focus or the concentration that leads into the state of meditation. And I know, just from knowing you, that one of your favorite ways, too, is chanting. Yeah, it's one yeah. of my favorite ways, yeah. actually, also. Um what do you why do you connect to chanting um well i've always uh, i've always loved music uh, and i've always been f- very fond of singing um so that's one thing that when i think through jiva mukti um cuz i've never been a, a singer in ways of performing I've maybe have done that a couple of times before I started Jiva Mukti and that was nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> but in choir, uh, singing in choir, I've done quite a lot. So, so you know, yeah. I have a, a good association or a good... Uh, it makes me happy to sing. Yeah. Uh, through Jiva Mukti, I think I learned to trust and be more confident with my voice mm. in terms of, you know, um, not being uh, a nervous wreck sitting down and singing for you know five or ten or twenty or forty people um so that was a huge big breakthrough to to find that confidence to use your voice uh and then when you find that to bring that into your practice and just feel um that the it really soothes from inside to sit down and and uh when i do my chant practice i have like a, a uh, uh, a few chants that I, I do mm-hmm. repeat you know I have like a, a little your playlist the, the, this, is my play, yeah, yeah. this is my playlist this is my playlist and uh, it, it you, you just find you, you just find a, a stability and you, you find yourself in such a a, a a good space it centers you it um, yeah opens your heart you know it, it on so many levels, just to, to try and explain it in a, a fairly easy way, it feels so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then it makes sense. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's vibration. It is, it is. It's one of the oldest forms of yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Rig Veda is, is the chanting and the mantra. And, yeah. Um, I know many people when they're new to yoga and they hear people chanting and they're like off put a little bit. They're like, ah, oh, what is this? Well, I was. Were you? <laughs> yeah, I was totally. Yeah. In New York, and you know, the Americans, they're not shy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, true. So I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. But that's been a lesson too, because, you know, thinking of it uh, now, it was, who, who was it embarrassing, embarrassing for? Yeah. Me. And that's. Um, that's a, that's a very negative uh, emotion to to carry, and 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 you also learn why why should why was I so judgmental 
towards those people who are just yeah. sitting there singing and being happy. Right. Yeah. Enjoying their life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, and isn't that interesting that your judgment somehow then came back to you creating a feeling of shame. <laughs> exactly. Shame and fear. And, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I exactly, <laughs> I have had that happen um, in other circumstances yeah, yeah. too where I'm like, oh. But it's a good experience because when I'm chanting, you know, you, you see it immediately. You recognize people who's never done this before and then, you know, I, 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 I hit the keys on the harmonium and just see people shrinking in class. Yeah. And then immediately you can make them laugh and talk about it and yeah. just... Um, and I, I think for most people, that's, that's a huge breakthrough to just be able to trust your voice and to feel the joy of singing. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's such a powerful practice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Yeah. I think that's our job as teachers is to really encourage people, mm. you know, not like to demystify yeah, yeah, yeah. what chanting is, why we do it. And I know a big, a big part of the pushback I've been told from students is um, the names of the deities. Yeah. Have you experienced that at all? Mm, Yeah. Students coming up to you after class saying, why are we chanting that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually, um, uh, just in, in, I was, when I started practicing yoga, I was everything that I'm not today, speaking of which. (laughs) So I was skeptical. I didn't believe the philosophy. I was thinking, you know, oh, well, that's India. This is Norway. And 2000 years ago, but this is 2000 and <laughs> that's yeah. old fashioned. Uh, so I think that that's probably something that um, you could say um, is a part of my style of teaching. My personal style is to over explain things. Yeah. <laughs> so if I use that, uh, if I if I use a chant and, and it's uh, um, uh, a chant to Shiva or, or you know, I, 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 explain it from the start right I, 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 mean, I do too yeah. but still sometimes like just like you said you see your students face just like sheer panic yeah yeah <laughs> they're like oh my god we're gonna be chanting to shiva or you know god forbid Hare krishna yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well um i i explain it like straight on uh, and if i see someone shrink i will i'm 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 obliged to just stop and explain it so you can feel and you see, you can see that immediately in the face when they get an understanding of it, the door is open. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is important to not, to, to, to include people, to like you yes. said, include people, let them in just like, oh, you will understand this when you're ready. No, just explain it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I want to ask you as we kind of wrap up here. Yeah. Um, one question, and this is the question I ask everybody on this podcast. It's kind of a big question. Yeah. <laughs> so answer as you feel fit. Um, who could you be if you got still enough and quiet enough to listen to the wisdom within? Say it again. Who could you be or would you be if you got still enough and quiet enough to listen to the wisdom within. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to like go by intuition and I would say I would be happier. Mm. Mm. So you mentioned it earlier, but so then you believe that happiness is our pure state. Yeah. 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 That's so nice. Mm. I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
It's not just a promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's there. It's definitely there. It's there. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, can we wade through the distractions? Exactly. And then um, on that thought, you know, when teaching, I've, I've been talking about this uh, when it comes to meditation in my classes lately, not to, to make it so... Um, um, because it's hard in the beginning mm. it's not like it's not like sit down and you'll experience pure happiness right yes because <laughs> the first time meditation was the hardest thing for me in the beginning yeah. uh, so 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 just to accept that when you sit down the first thing you'll experience is like pain or restlessness in your body then you will hear and see all the noise uh, and distractions in your head uh, and and that's for, for for most of us that's that's the the main part of our practice to recognize that mm -hmm. and and go behind it so for me oh I, yeah like you've called this this podcast is one sacred pause and i've uh where where i am in my life i've come to uh, i just craves let's say um that i have a day where i i uh, everything goes kind of uh, fast by and you feel that you don't have the time to to sit down or meditate or do your practice or whatever and then I just get that crave to sit down mm. and and have that stillness um, and I try to communicate that when I when we talk about meditation because I know it's hard for people and just to let them know this is my insight mm. that somewhere on the other side there's going to be a different feeling of it you know where you want to just sit down yeah. and it's it's not even and it's not that sometimes I can be in company with so many nice people and having a wonderful time and enjoying myself and still I will have that feeling that oh now I just want stillness mm -hmm. I just need stillness yeah. and then and find that space and take your time well and it's funny how it shifts like that's now how both you and I it sounds like fill up yeah is through the stillness through the silence and I think that's very much what yoga says, too. Yeah. I mean, Ayurveda says that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Key to healing is yeah. stillness. And it's in such a contrast to modern society where it's like, do more, go faster. Exactly. You know, multitask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the complete opposite mm -hmm. of yoga and meditation. Yeah. And, you know, I think really spreading that message that it's like, no, 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 we're, 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 we're going a little too far in the opposite direction. Yeah. You know? yeah. If, if you want to live a life that is mindful, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and learning to slow down. And my husband jokes, I drive him crazy because he's like, gosh, the older you get and the longer we've been together, he's like, you're getting slower and slower and slower. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's, he's complaining he's like dreading 50s and oh, 60s he's like looking at his watch like clicking his hand like come on time's ticking and I'm like I know isn't it great <laughs> oh you sound like a fun couple yeah. <laughs> well yeah yeah I think it's important to 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 learn um or to know about in this hectic uh culture we're living uh the the treasures about learning how to be still yeah and also back to Jiva Mukti Yoga and, and spiritual activism and, and believing in that global change of the world. Um, if you want to make the changes or if you want to see that the changes you want to make, it works out, you need to create space and stillness. Yes. 
Um, if not, it's not going to happen. And if you want to be a part of changing the world to a better place, you you have to take time and listen inward to um, what really um, fires you or, or motivates you or drives you or, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree, you know. So that's why, that's why we're having this conversation is yeah. hopefully to, you know, encourage other people yeah. to slow down. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, both of us, that's what we teach as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for well, being on this you. podcast. Thank and, you. And, um, you know, I appreciate your, your wisdom, your advice, and being part of the community and, you know, welcoming me into this community too. So thank you. Well, thank you that. for creating everything that you do. It's, uh, it's good. Yeah, yeah thank you. Wonderful.